Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Britpop. It's me, Chris. Uh, this is a sneaky little bonus episode, a little tag on to season two, as I was very lucky to get the opportunity to speak to Sice from the Boo Radleys. It's a fantastic interview and, and Sice goes into some great detail about the early days of the band and, and how they how they progressed musically, the ups and downs of the music scene at the time. And then Sice talks a bit about the reunion and uh, the new material that's coming out in July of this year. Anyway, it's a fantastic interview, so I'll stop rambling. Here's Sice. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Sice. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Whereabouts are you at the moment? So I'm at home in uh, in Oxfordshire. Uh, I live in I live in Oxfordshire. So I'm uh, I'm in my kind of study slash office slash uh, kind of meeting room because because uh, I'm a, a psychologist now. So I kind of for the last eighteen months I've been seeing clients on Zoom from this little office. So it's uh, so it's had a kind of different purpose really. Yeah, so but I'm I'm guessing you're well rehearsed in the whole the whole Zoom protocol these days. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's. I mean, I've actually I've actually gone back to my um to my uh, consulting room recently, and it's been it's been a godsend because the Zoom thing is just strange, you know. Just just uh, yeah, it, it was fine at first, but that that sort of just seeing a little square in front of you with someone's face for it's not it's not normal. It really isn't, and um, it was good to get back to sort of person to person. Um, the novelty is well and truly wearing off isn't it absolutely yeah it really is and and and, you know and 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 I could I knew it would I knew that that when people you know when they were saying oh this is really working at the start of it and kind of saying oh you know this will be the future and I'm thinking "Mm, I'm sure it will you know I mean it's a good it's a good utility to have when you know when you can't travel and stuff but actually there's no substitute for sort of person-to-person connection no and have you found yourself connecting with with things differently uh, or reconnecting sorry with with things yeah. that you in this situation you've been in uh, not really um I, no i don't i don't think it has i mean i think the the thing it's done over the last 15 months or so is actually disconnect more you know i, I kind of think I, I i did try the whole sort of connecting with people over zoom the first month or so but it, it really just it was it was very unsatisfactory for me so I actually found I kind of withdrew a bit more really yeah. um I, I mean the, the, you know the 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 the, te- the possibilities of technology are marvelous you know for creating music and it's and it's helped enormously with that um so so that's been a, a huge bonus yeah and you've been busy as well. I mean, obviously the the recording and, and the new single that's come out, and and mm. and, a, and another step for the band. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd like to go back a bit further, but before we do that, how's mm. how did this how did this come about? I mean, what was the kind of um, the, the catalyst for coming back? The the catalyst was weird because it was my it was essentially my fiftieth birthday party, um, and. Tim, Tim came along to that and and it really was just a kind of drunken conversation where you know he kind of said uh, you know he just said do you still do stuff and he said well I've got some songs do you want to sing on them and I just kind of said well all right I've got some songs do you want to work on them and and that was kind of it and sort of I think that was what 2019 so really over then we've just been kind of sending stuff back and forth gradually and then you know Tim kind of said oh you know should get Rob to do some drums on these so we arranged that and recorded it and it just gradually built and it was one of those things where suddenly it was kind of like well we've got we've got a load of songs here and they're pretty they're ready you know it's kind mm. of they're, they're here so um 
so it was kind of weird not having Martin involved. So, you know, I went over and, and, and spent the day with Martin and had a chat and he was just really not keen. Um, he was not keen on kind of, uh, I think, joining it at such an advanced stage. Um, but also he's got his own thing going. So I think mm. he just kind of said, no, look, leave, leave me out of it. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are. So suddenly everything picked up very quickly in the last, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know, two or three months ago, we weren't really sure whether anything was going to happen. Suddenly it's kind of like, wow, single back out and and here we go kind of thing. Have you found yourself sort of settling into that sort of, new, I mean, the, the, the dynamic obviously has changed, but have you found that easy to, to, to sort of deal with and getting back in the saddle, so to speak, with the whole new way of promoting music or, or just the whole aspect of putting something out? I think we've changed an awful lot in that we have kind of taken quite a back seat with it. I think that a lot of, you know, we, 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 we work now, we've all got sort of different jobs. And so I don't think it's all, as all encompassing as it once was, you know, we were interested in every nuance and every little thing about it and wanted to be involved. Now we kind of let people do their thing, you know, kind of the, the publicity machine kind of do its thing. But, but as far as sort of getting back in the saddle with, uh the music itself um it was really really uh interesting because it was kind of new you know it was a kind of new and suddenly it was kind of i guess um the three of us me tim and rob who'd, who'd sort of i guess always sort of um i guess been seen as backing up martin was kind of brought to the fore and suddenly our decisions held sway so it was kind of different for that reason but but um but it, it felt comfortable, really. It felt, you know, the, the sort of process of making music doesn't really change, even if everything around it kind of does. I mean, that that was that was the hardest thing to get our heads around, really, was kind of like, so these go to streaming services <laughs> and kind of, you know, it, it was that kind of thing. Um, that was the that was the, the the thing that took a little while to get our heads around. It's quite interesting because obviously the, the signature to the sound and the, the new material that you shared already is there, isn't it? I mean, it's, it mm. feels very, it feels very Boo Radley's. It's got that, it's got yeah. that feel to it. And it's, it's that, and the response has been amazing, isn't it? Online, obviously we've got these new avenues to explore. So. Yeah. And so mm. that must be a, quite a, a comfort in a way. Were you nervous at all in terms of doing that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, part of it, part of it, um, part of it we were nervous about, but part of it we just, it felt like something we had to do. Mm. You know, it was, it felt like something, it, it felt like something was unfinished um, because, you know, when we started the Boo Radleys, you know, we were, me, Tim and Martin were making music from about the age of 13, 14, you know, we were doing stuff. And, um, and me and Tim used to write tons of songs. And then sort of during the nineties, it became a different thing. It became a vehicle for Martin's songs. And so, to, to sort of go back to um, something that it was at the formation was was a really nice thing to do. So so in some respects, we were nervous about how it would be received. But on the other hand, it just felt like it's something we needed to do. I, th I think it would would have felt unfinished if we hadn't given this a go. So yeah. so we were quite sort of we were quite sort of um, strident about it. Really. What were your influences then? I mean, how did you get into music in the first in the first place the the i mean for us the, the and i've you know i've been thinking about this recently going back to it you know 
it really was the charts that was the very very first thing that and 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 more than anything top of the pops i think you know i think to i think about the huge difference in the access uh that that like my kids had to music mm. um and the access that i used to have which was hugely limited you know i mean I, we didn't i didn't come from a particularly wealthy family so couldn't really afford to buy records but i remember the only avenue was was actually borrowing records from the library you know like you'd physically borrow a book you could do it with records as well mm. and that was kind of where i discovered um beatles albums you know i'd go around and, and borrow the beatles albums and stuff but before that it really was chart music so you know top of the pops was just um you know it was just every thursday that was important and you know it was one of those that sit there with um with the little cassette recorder trying to tape it off the telly and, <laughs> and the same with the the top 40 rundown on the sunday uh so it was really that uh, really that i don't think my household was very much you know they didn't have the radio on a lot they were radios in cars so so that was what 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 really for a very for a long time really until we sort of until we got sort of late teens and started discovering the enemy and melody maker and finding out about there was a different music scene really it was it was the charts yeah um and so the early music we really liked were all the kind of pop bands that were coming through you know it was kind of duran duran and um human league and uh, haircut 100 and these sorts of bands so we were very sort of pop oriented well, do you think that was definitely an influence in, in terms of the music and how you kind of formed the songs in a way because they do have that pop feel regardless of the kind of the, the, the lyrical style and the content of the yeah. lyrics. um do you mean that through the through the 90s be radley stuff yes it, well ultimately, yeah. yes yeah um yeah i mean i think i think it was i i, I think that there was this sensibility that was a mix between i think a poppiness that we couldn't really get away from because it was in our sort of musical genetics, but also kind of a need to sort of shake it up a bit as well along that, you know, a need to experiment with it. I mean, the very early stuff, that's really what we were doing. You know, we were very sort of poppy, mm. but making but making a huge noise with it, you know, a huge guitar noise squall with it. And then I think we started to sort of move away from that and try to do other things. But I think that, I think that, experimental poppiness is always kind of with us you know yeah. i don't i don't think we ever get away from the i don't think we ever stray too far from the melodic it was shoegaze wasn't it in terms of the early material if, if you were to pigeonhole it now which we don't like to do yeah. that yeah, wall no. of now that jesus and mary chain type situation with with the wall of noise and the guitars as you say yeah yeah I mean, it was, a, it was, a, you know, that was, there was, it, they always say that, you know, there was a generation of bands who were inspired to pick up the guitar by the Sex Pistols and this kind of thing. And I think there was a small coterie of bands who were inspired to pick up guitars by My Bloody Valentine or certainly inspired to play a certain way by My Bloody Valentine. And, and, and I remember that, you know, that when we first started actually properly gigging, you know, My, My Bloody Valentine, Dinosaur Jr., um, I guess kind of early grunge that was kind of the blueprint that, that we that we kind of followed or that was what we sort of um, I guess that was what we sort of shaped ourselves around while we were trying to find ourselves so yeah I mean you know we, we were I mean we're probably one of those you know probably one of very few bands who's been in 
you know, three or four different scenes, you know, yeah. those, like you say, those three or four different pigeonholes. So, you know, there was the shoegaze thing. Um, there was also, you know, we were considered kind of grungy for a while. So, you know, um, and then, and then I think we don't know what we were. We were, we were sort of indie, um, I don't know, you know, whatever creation indie kind of thing. And then, and then the whole Brit pop thing came along. So yeah, we kind of got, pulled into um these different these different kind of pigeonholes i suppose yeah. but but you know i think the difficulty with us always was that we were difficult to pigeonhole so um so we were always getting pulled into little different areas and things you were already very well established before uh the brit pop scene exploded yeah, so to speak yeah. and you really fought hard against it didn't you and i know martin's been quite vocal about it in terms of really not wanting to fall into any of those tropes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm not as, I think part part of the problem was is that it was a very wide ranging movement and it, it encompassed quite a lot. And there was quite a lot of it that we really didn't like, hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and certainly, I don't know, it became a sort of political affiliation as well. And we didn't feel comfortable with that. Um, there was a certain laddishness that was associated with it that we never felt comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so there were certain things, but you know, I think it would be disingenuous to say that at the time we completely stayed away. I, I think we were kind of, you know, we were dragged along, and I think I think when it suited in a kind of I don't know a kind of marketability way. Mm. Um, it was it was okay to belong i mean the, the, the other thing was is that you know it was kind of as a movement it was nice to be part of that exciting thing you know it was nice to be hanging out with other other bands and those kind of things and and um i think it's like anything i think it was just the kind of i think we kind of felt it was a bit disappointed to be sort of roped in with a lot of bands that we felt came later and weren't very original or weren't very um I guess experimental. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I, I think we just had a. I think we just never felt comfortable being labelled. Really, I think that. But you know, lots of bands don't. It's one of the reoccurring things in themes in terms of the guests that I've spoken to. That, that mm. although that we look back at it and it's got a huge fan base. And when I first started the podcast mm. last year, I had no connections with that sort of um nostalgicness or that era anymore and so going back into it this the the devotion to it is is incredible and you you do i think as 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 a man especially growing up and having children and getting married and looking back at what was a very yeah laddish um and you know some of the decisions you know i was making as a time at the time as a young as a young man and the music i was listening to and the the publications i was reading you know looking back at it it's embarrassing isn't it in terms of (laughs) Uh, and I think, yeah. yeah, and that's the kind of thing. I think what I'm trying to say is that's the that are a lot of the recurring themes uh, that we're getting back from people looking back at this sort of era. Yes, the music mm. was great. There was a lot of it. There was a massive surge of guitar bands and lots of labels. But we also have mm. to think actually, you know, have a bit of a reconnection with the com- some of the themes in the and, and uh, um, the social aspects of it all as well. Which is, which is absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because it was, because it wasn't just a musical thing. It was a whole cultural movement, and um, and I think that more than anything, that was it was the cultural movement kind of thing. It was the it was the um, 
you know, a lot of it was about the Union Jack or the Union rather Union flag rather um, uh, guitars, Union flag dresses uh, that just came with an uneasy edge of nationalism mm. that didn't feel right. There was a return to sexism that was really, you know, I felt a real shame. You know, we went from had a huge affinity from um, with kind of Kirk Cobain, who was quite happily you know, writing songs from women's perspectives and kind of cross-dressing and really having no issues with that. And suddenly it just seemed to regress, which I just felt was a huge, huge shame. And and, and I think we're still kind of only just recovering from that now. Um, you know, it, it, so, so those were the things I think that were very separate from the music. Um, and those were the things I think that we felt uncomfortable with is it wasn't as far as I could tell it wasn't really a musical movement because there was very a lot lot of the bands had very little in common with each other it was just a kind of I think it was a cultural thing it was a it was a sort of um I don't know a a kind of British pride uh, and and, you know and and it's really I mean it's fascinating for me because you know when I went on to do um psychology my research area was in masculinity so you know for you to kind of talk about you know what it was like to grow up as a man and to you know where these role models were kind of coming from um I think it's, it's fascinating you know because part of the problem you know it gets described as a crisis in masculinity of kind of you know how are men supposed to be and um and I think it was a very very confusing time for that and and I think unfortunately it did play into a lot of kind of traditional tropes that aren't particularly healthy for anybody. I hope I was going to talk about um you know the the kind of legacy that was um not wake up boo in terms of that song has has kind of has turned into its own continent you know in terms of its, its presence I mean how do you feel about it now is it still bring you a great deal of joy or is it it become an albatross no I don't I don't think it's an albatross I mean I think it's mixed feelings really I mean you know it was never it was never that that we wanted um that we didn't want Wake Boot to be successful it was just we would have liked some of our other songs to be as equally as successful you know that's mm. that's kind of what we never thought it was that different you know or that much I guess head and shoulders above some of the other stuff like you know like I guess some of the stuff of the of the wake up album um or, or even later um but I mean I think you know it's a strange it's a very very strange thing it's kind of it it, it it's it, it's um it's kind of cachet varies in which I guess context you're operating in Mm. so you know so it's actually not been you know for me over the last 20 years uh, trying to sort of I guess make my way outside the the sort of very narrow uh, environs of of the pop world it's actually been really useful when people kind of say you know what did you used to do or or these kind of things and it's been able to say oh yeah we we had a single wake up boo and people know it you know that's that's the kind of thing so so instantly uh kind of gets over that awkwardness i mean it's a strange thing i I don't know i mean i don't know whether it's very hard on the inside to understand i guess how we're perceived from the outside or how we were perceived i mean i think you were always um 
butting up against, I guess, what people's perceptions are. I mean, I think, I think one of the things is that I think people now sort of see us as a bit of an underappreciated band, mm. um, which are kind of quite like. Um, but but the whole wake up boo thing. I mean, it, it essentially, you know, we have to understand, put that in its in the context is that actually at that point, you know, we were almost uh, creation's attitude was kind of yeah, well, it's all very well, um, you know, winning the enemy polls and these kind of things with giant steps, but when are you going to sell some records? You know, when are you going to get when are you going to get in the charts? And I think. Uh, you know, I think Martin took that very seriously. You know, I think he's talked before about how, you know, I think a, a conversation with Alan McGee basically sort of saying, you know, Martin, you've got to write a pop hit kind of thing. And I think Martin took him as his uh, at his word, you know. So um, I think I think Martin probably struggles with it more than I do, I guess. Mm. Um, you know, but um it's kind of one of those things that it, it it helped our career enormously and gave us access to things that we wouldn't have otherwise had access to, you know. Um, so um, television shows and kind of a lot of radio play and that kind of thing. So um, it's not something, it's, it's not a song that I think is representative of us. Um, I always viewed it as just another, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it might sound a bit, um, might sound a bit grandiose, but I always viewed it as something like, you know, like judging, judging the Beatles on kind of um, Good Day Sunshine or something along those lines, you know, that it's kind of, I, to me, it was just one more very poppy song that was kind of like to be left behind and be part of a, of a wider oeuvre, but um, it, it wasn't to be. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also a good, you know, a good opener to the back catalogue that was kind of already, you know, well established, as we said, because the first the first, mm. I think, tracks that I remember being remember are, is Lazarus and and, mm. uh, and from and from from that first album. And then yeah. and then coming back to you via that song and then realize mm. this is com- this is a, a completely not a completely different, but as you say, like an expansion mm. of what was already in play, which was big yeah. music bold pop as well and and doing something at the right time at the right place I think yeah. essentially what happened in, in my eyes well that was it I mean and, and the strange thing is that you know that gets forgotten about is that you know not only not only did um we we, we kind of had this period sort of following giant steps that 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 um creation were desperate to get us into the charts to the extent that they um they reissued Lazarus, uh, new video, new remixes and all this kind of stuff and all the formatting that went on there. And it's still only scraped to like 41. Mm. So it was kind of so. I mean, I think then when we went away, there was this enormous pressure then of kind of like you've got to break the charts. Because I think by that stage, Ride had and, um, you know, Primal Scream maybe had. So it was kind of... Um, the pressure was on sort of thing. So um, I guess we responded to that in a way that um, probably wasn't great for us in the long term, but certainly was great for us in the short term. You carry, you carried on obviously in, uh, up to 98 um, 
mm. you were writing and releasing music and but then it was starting to get a little bit more difficult in terms of being able to be productive and also wanting to mm. to, to carry on with especially with king science which is yeah. a, a great album but what 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 do you think where was what was the turning point do you think if you wanted to you know if you could pinpoint it the turning point was really was really two things i mean i think one was was wake up success um for, for me personally because uh, i think it was finding out that we had the success we always craved and didn't really like it you know that was the that was the thing that i felt was um that was a difficult thing but i think then i think having a successful album and selling a lot and then thinking oh brilliant right now we can really push the boat out and we pushed the boat out to come on kids and it really didn't take off you know people really weren't interested I think that just took the wind out of our sails I think that you know I look back now I don't I didn't see it at the time but I look back now and think I think we just thought why are we bothering kind of thing I think Mm. it just felt I think the whole experience was probably very tiring um it wasn't particularly i don't know it wasn't particularly lauded um i think we felt that was our opportunity to you know come on kids is the album that's i think mostly representative of us properly um i think if it was to say there's an album that represents what we are and who we are it would be that one um I think by the time we rolled around to King Size, I think everybody had lost a sense of urgency, direction, intent. You know, I think Martin was fed up making guitar music. He'd written a bunch of great songs. Um, but what's what's interesting is that I think the way that there is a continuity is that look back now and see that King Size was basically Tim's album. You know, Tim really is the sort of the 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 musical um musical expert I think in the band and and he really slaved away at that album and made it work Mm. Um, and that's why I think there is a continuity because it's pretty much the same with the new stuff we're doing you know that actually um, that's that's the way it kind of works you know Tim's the guy who has his hand on the faders and and kind of making it making all the magic happen and I think it was the same with King Size I mean I, I I was ready to move on um I barely went to the studio it was kind of um yeah life had moved on and Mm. and and I think it was kind of and and it might have been different had creation not folded had um everything else not kind of seemed to sort of fall apart around us um it just seemed the right thing to do it's a strange thing that that we actually what we actually did was split up which you know these days I don't think bands do you know they just simply stop making music and they go off and do solo projects and then suddenly when they decide the time is right they'll make another they'll make another record again yeah um but we were sort of traditionalists in the the idea that you know you go for a certain amount of time and then you split up you say we are splitting up and um yeah i think we just followed that path with the plans for the new new record then i mean eventually if things sort of open up and get back to some sort of normality are you planning to mm. go back on the road at all or is this something that will be sort of not we followed? we do we do yeah we do want to do something um we we've you know because when we got together and we played we we really really enjoyed it you know i think it was kind of it's always been the thing that i've missed and and sort of 
part partly i guess the impetus is is that I, i've done a couple of solo things um over the past 18 months just me and an acoustic and um and i really really loved it and and i think you know part of the thing is that that's something that can't ever be created in any other walk of life you know is actually that being out on a stage playing creating music it's just so thrilling and 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 i think um uh, we've done it solo and you know we've tried it with other people and this kind of thing but there is something about the you know this this it's like being back in a family there's something very very comfortable about kind of the i guess the almost tele musical telepathy that that's going on um when you when you're in a room together and and mm. and um it, it works really well so i think there, there definitely will be something we don't quite know what yet but um you know it's like you say everything's up in the air at the moment i can't imagine there's um I can't imagine there's an awful lot available till till well into next year. So yeah, got time to think about it. Will you revisit the like the back catalogue as well? Are you would you be open to playing as as much from that as possible as as well as promoting the new material? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Yeah. No, how, how would precious. you how, how would you go about choosing which songs to do? That would be quite a challenge in itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think. Um, we'd probably i mean i think we'd just probably think back to what we actually used to play live mm. um because there were certain ones that did work you know i remember that the, there was always that thing when you sort of gather at the start of a tour to rehearse and there was always songs that you thought this will be brilliant live and then for some reason it just wasn't and and sort of got you know got dropped and then there were other things that it was kind of yeah that that didn't expect that to work really well live but it does and so I guess it's a mix of things that we would want to play. I guess it's a mix of things that people would want to hear, um, you know, that, that we, and so, you know, absolutely, we wouldn't be averse to, um, to to doing that. You know, we're not precious and we're not, we realise, you know, it's, we're releasing this as the Boo Radleys because, um, because we know we've got history and we know that people mm. want to hear that kind of stuff. I think if we were going to be precious and, and, and you say, Oh no, we're only going to play new stuff. You know, I, there wouldn't have been any point calling ourselves the Boo Radleys. Well, it's been absolutely fascinating uh, speaking to you, Sai. So I'll, I'll let you go. Um, okay. Thank you so much for talking to me about after uh, no present. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Appreciate then. it. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Sice for joining me on the podcast. It was a really fascinating chat. And I have to say, I've been trying to get Sice uh, from the Boo Radleys on the show since the very beginning, since last year. So it was a real pleasure to speak to him. Just some quick reminders of things that you can do to support the podcast. If you haven't done so already, uh, you can follow me over on the social media channels. So Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm over there. Just search for Back to Britpop. And also, if you have the time, please give a rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts. Um, it really does help. And if you want to say thanks financially, you can buy me that virtual coffee. It's £3 and you can find the link to the show notes on my coffee or Ko-Fi page. I don't know quite how you're supposed to say it. So again, a massive thanks for listening uh, to the podcast. It means a great deal to have your support and see you in season three. Take care.